0: Welcome to Spill and Dealing, the Georgia High School Basketball Podcast. I am Kyle Sandy, the owner and founder of sandyspill.com, and with me today, as always, is a producer and moderator of the podcast, Ramin Borgani. Ramin, we are deep, deep, deep into region play. We are about mm, two weeks or so away from region tournaments, if we're having region tournaments. I know some regions aren't even having The tournament this year but we're about two weeks away from the start of the true madness region tournaments and then the state playoffs that follow we got to dive right into it to talk about some region races on the boys side some uh competitive regions things to keep an eye on as we move down the stretch but before we get into that ramin how are you doing today sir
1: I am doing well, Kyle. Hopefully my voice uh, lasts me and doesn't sound too horrible on the other end of this, but I am doing well. It's a foggy and rainy day up here in Athens, and uh, I guess there's nothing better to do than talk about basketball. No better time than the current, so we'll jump right into it. We are talking about region races that are heating up, and we'll jump um, boys only today, boys only, Kyle, and we will start in class 7A. Region 7 seems to have some tight competition, Kyle.
0: Yes, Region Seven is an interesting race uh, as it currently stands. When we do this podcast, we're looking at Norcross is sitting seven and zero in the region, and right behind them is Berkmar, who's currently ranked number six in the state, seven and one. And then you got Discovery three and one in the region, and Archer four and five in the region. Now, Norcross—they're really hot right now. They've won, uh, off the top of my head, maybe six or so games in a row. They're really starting to find their footing. They're getting hot, but I still worry about Norcross because they have shown a tendency this year to play down to the level of competition. That scares me with a couple close wins against teams that you would think, just looking at the town on that roster, they should be blowing them out. But as we all know, all that matters is a win is a win. They have a nice 63-57 win over Burkmar. They beat Discovery 59-52, and they swept Archer in two close games, 41-36 and 57-47. While they're currently in the catbird seat right now, I don't know if this is a you know a foregone conclusion that they're going to win this region. They do have some youngsters mixed in with some veterans. Chikai howard some very good as a freshman. Kakiak going to DePaul and Jaden Harris, you know, senior leadership for them. Um, but I'm still not 100% sold on Norcross. I think Berkmar is going to be um, a difficult task to beat again. Uh, Malik Ewing inside and Jamel Wright out on the outside. They got a lot of good pieces there. Uh, I think that's going to be a, a matchup that really decides things. But, you know, Discovery's a plucky team. They're a tough team. I want to keep an eye on them. Devon Mays is a real bulldozer inside, inside out presence. But a potential disruptor in this region, I think, is Archer. Four and five in the region. This is a team that has spent time in the top ten. Um, a good team. They control the tempo. They play gritty, punch you in the mouth, drag out, grind out games. Now, four and five right now, they got swept by Norcross. So those were two big, strong, you know, hunker-down wins for Norcross. But Archer, that is a dangerous team, and that's a team you're not going to want to see Uh, In the region tournament, if there is a region tournament with region seven, and I'll just preface this podcast by saying we're going to assume all these regions have region tournaments. It is way too difficult to track right now, which ones are happening at which ones are not. Some have been decided, some have been not things can change here, there and that. Um, but I think Archer is a draw that is going to be difficult. Now, Archer, they can't necessarily put a ton of points on the board against elite competition because I do rely on that defense But they can ground you out. They're extremely well coached and they will make things difficult. Um, but region seven and seven, a, a very, very interesting, um, little, uh, group right there, uh, because it looks like region seven is matching up with region six in the first round and. You know, region 6, you're looking at the Forsyth schools, Gainesville and Denmark. Um, that's a region that's really up for grabs between South Forsyth, uh, Gainesville, and Denmark all have a chance to really come up and win that region tournament. Uh, three good teams there. So you're going to want to get that one seed. Obviously, you always want to get the one seed out of Region 7 and out of any region. Um, but Norcross and Mar going down to the wire, I think that'll be a good race to keep an eye on.
1: Down to Class 6A, um, a lot more tight region races. We want to keep an eye on here. We're going to talk about half the regions. In fact, we'll start at uh, the top region two. It is a very competitive region. Kyle, we have five teams we want to keep an eye on. Especially if you look at their non-region records. Um, mm-hmm. Richmond Hill, Statesboro, Glynn County, Effingham, Brunswick are all in double-digit wins already.
0: Yeah, this is a a, a good tough-nosed region. It always is. These teams always rack up good non-region records and i'm going to talk about region two and region three first because these two regions are going to match up in the first round so we're talking about teams that could potentially see each other in the first round um but number four richmond hill currently on top of everybody in region two seven and oh in the region 15 and oh overall they have a, a 67-57 win over Statesboro, and they played them again this Friday. So that's going to be big because Statesboro is sitting there at 12-2, and 6-1 and one in the region in second place. And uh, that's a team that has been very strong this year. They're playing for, you know, bigger than themselves with the passing of Coach Hill and um, one of their players in the offseason. It's been very difficult for Statesboro. So if they get some lucky bounces along the way, it, it could be, uh, you know— some of their friends looking up looking down at them from above so statesboro they're they're playing for something bigger than themselves and i think that can go a really long way um uh, when facing adversity so statesboro is a team an emotional season uh, they have a lot going for them right now to to win some games um but back to richmond hill they won 86 70 against brunswick so you're looking at brunswick out of the top five teams in that region, they're three and three in the region, but they're twelve and three overall. It's a tough team. They have good guard play that can really score the ball. Um, I think they have a chance to do some damage. It's always a, a very well coached team with Coach Turner as well. Uh, so they're they're scary. You're looking at Effingham County four and four in the region, twelve and five overall. Um, we got the Wallace brothers, two very good athletes, Keon and Kierrie Wallace. Um, some football players over there as well. Uh, that's a team that can really do some damage i think they are uh you know when they can get up and down and you know this is a team that started off really hot this year they won a lot of games they were what looking like six or seven and one to start the season maybe uh but that is a team that has uh some potential to uh pull some upsets and then in the middle Glen academy four and three in the region 11 and five overall they do have north florida signing they got a uh, uh max Hardlicka, who's been uh, very good and I, I heard he's been sitting out a couple games recently hopefully he's back but he's the guy that makes them go but richmond hill a very good team on top of a very competitive tough region and you know you want to you want to get a good seed because you're going up against a region three that they're top three they have a lot of firepower you're looking at number six evans in a three-way tie currently but Grovetown and Heritage, Conyers, all of them, 4-1 in the region at the time of this recording. Um, Evans, 14-2 overall, Grovetown, 10-7, Heritage, 11-6. Now, Evans, they lost on a, a buzzer beater to Grovetown, 61-60, but they do hold a 65-53 win over Heritage. Grovetown, they lost to Heritage, 70-58. to 58. Um, So it, this is one that's going to go down to the wire, Evans, um, you know, Devin Story transferred in to give them some three-point shooting. Um, you're looking at uh, Rashad King is a, a physical inside-out swing man. Brazen James, they got a lot of pieces over there. Tyson Jones, a big guy inside that's really developed nicely. Evans has been tough, Tam. Zach Bell is a, a, a highlight candidate. Uh, he's carried that team. And then Heritage, you got, uh, you got James White going to All Miss. And then uh, Elon Siney. Uh, R.J. Nord, so you got two guys right there to go along with Dash Boston, a nice role player, Jalen Boston, Courtney McBride. Um, Very good talent right there. And Heritage, they spent some time in the top ten early on in the season before falling out, but they can put the ball in the basket, and they are a tough team. So that's going to be a fun race to keep an eye on, Region 3. All three of those teams have a really good shot at doing some damage in the state tournament.
1: Remaining in 6A on the boys' side, we talked about this region a lot in our preseason podcast to open up Region 6. Uh, it still holds number one Wheeler and number two Kel, along with South Cobb, Alatoona, and Pope. All teams that have amassed um, good non region schedules and all teams that are over 500 in region play so far.
0: Number one Wheeler and number two Kel, they're in that same region together. Wheeler beat Kel 74 73 in overtime in their first meeting. And both of them sitting at nine and one in the region, um, but Wheeler does have an 81-74 loss to South Cobb, which kind of kind of uh, you know mucks things up and gives Kale a reason uh, for hope that they could come in at that last second and take over that number one seed and beat Wheeler. Um, Kale, they they beat South Cobb 63-51, so they've handled their business. And South Cobb they're they're nine and two in the region. They're they're starting to play better. I know they had some injuries early on, but they're eleven and eight total um they did lose 67-64 to Alatoona which kind of puts them on the outside looking in now as far as being in that that top spot with Kel and Wheeler so a loss like that really hurts if you're in that region your only losses can come to Wheeler and Kell if you lose anyone else even though the rest of the region is very tough that really puts you in a bind um and then we're looking at Alatoona who's been in the top 10 they dropped out a couple weeks ago but 11-6 and Five and four in the region, and then you got Pope, who's six and five in the region, twelve and eight uh, overall. That is what one, two, three, four, five. Five very good teams. You can only put four teams into the state tournament, Ramin. Um, So you're going to be looking at a really good team left on the outside looking in, um, and that's just is going to, you know, it's going to make it really interesting coming down the stretch. And you know, region tournament is going to be exceptionally important. And uh, it's going to be super competitive. And all these teams, you know, the four teams that make it in, they're going to be battle tested. Like their four seed, their four seed might be able to hang with any one seed in class six A. That's how good um, this region has been and how prepared these teams likely will be. So um, that's going to be a fun one. But Kel and Wheeler, uh, you know, going down the tracks, number one and number two, Wheeler number one, Kel number two um they're gonna have some fireworks in their rematch and lastly we'll touch on region eight which is quietly turned into quite the region as well with the same problem five really good teams only four spots you're looking at lanier number five in the state on top of the region seven and no in the region 15 and three overall but right behind them is shiloh number seven in the state five and one in the region 12 and four overall You know, you're looking at Lanier, who already has a 77-63 win over a good Winder-Barrow team, who's 10-6, but they've struggled. They're 2-4 in the region. Lanier, they beat Shiloh, 48-46. They beat Decula, 57-39. And they beat Buford, who's sitting there in third at 4-2 and and 13-4 overall. They beat them 66-60. So, Buford sitting in that third spot, it's going to be tough for them to get back into it, but... They are a good team, and they could clip Shiloh. They could clip Lanier when they get their rematches. I know they, they lost to Shiloh by 14, so it was a kind of a, a rough first go for them. But Buford's a team that has spent time in the top 10. And, you know, Looking at that, those five teams, all five of those teams have spent at least a week in the top 10. So it's, it's going to be, again, quite the finish Lanier with um, Andrew McConnell going to James. Madison Makai Vassell, six foot six forward, has come up big in spots. Uh, they, they got some good youngsters as well. They got Isaiah Phillips, an experienced guard, uh, but they're going to have to deal with Shiloh. Who Shiloh? You know, they beat them, but they they didn't even score fifty points. And Shiloh, uh, Coach Rivers, they always play a grinded out defensive battle, make it ugly. They got Devin Barnes, who's been a godsend for them, considering. Um, how they haven't had Jordan Mitchell this year. I believe he got possibly got injured in football maybe. Uh, but, you know, you lose your 6-7 All-State forward, that really could have taken that team to a completely different uh, level this year. But even without him, uh, Shiloh has done a very, very good job uh, without Mitchell. And, um, you know, they they picked it up. Uh, Trevon Payton's had a really good year and a breakout season. And he is—he's uh, emerged as maybe like a second or third leading scorer for them. Um, but that's a team that's going to grind you out, and you got to be prepared to play a low-scoring battle against Shiloh because um, that defense travels and they find a way to win close games. So when they are in Shiloh with Buford right there in third, um, you know that's still really anybody's ball game come region tournament time.
1: 6A as we predicted was wide open to start the season and as we discussed four regions in these region races it will be fun to watch down the stretch but without further ado down to 5A we'll look at region 3 perhaps the uh, expected region to talk about in this podcast three teams in the top 10 number 1 Tri-Cities number 5 Woodward and number 6 Forest Park but don't forget about Jonesboro and Mundy's Mill Kyle
0: Yeah I think uh just looking at region 3 they're going to be matched up against region 2 Oh boy, it looks like uh, Region Three. If everything stays chalk for the most part, like they're gonna have some really good teams in that tournament. I think they could be a a region that sweeps um, their opponents this year. Because, like you said, you got Tri Cities ranked number one, Woodward ranked number five, Forest Park ranked number six. You got Jonesboro. Um, you know they're right there behind them. And then even Mundy's Mill is a, a really good fifth spot team. Um, but Tri-Cities, 8-0, they've handled their business. I mean, they, they swept Woodward. They won 91-68 to in the game I saw them hit. I think it was like 13 threes or maybe even more than that. And then they come back and they beat them 75-59. Um, they pound Forest Park 85-59. And then they beat Jonesboro 58-52. So Tri-Cities, they, they're really clicking. They lost some games early on in the season. Tough non-region bouts, but they're clicking. They moved the ball well. They shoot exceptionally well. Great guard play, and they're all seniors for the most part. So, you know, Tri-Cities, this is a team that the nucleus, a big chunk of that nucleus had at least played a part in their state title uh, when not last year but the year before. So they know what it takes to get the job done on the biggest stage. Woodward. Uh, they beat forest park 62 57 i was a little surprised i think forest Park's still a little young i mean they have great individual skill players or guards that are quick and athletic but they can get pretty sloppy with the ball i mean i watched them beat Jonesboro 64 55 and they were up almost like 25 points to half and then they held on to win by nine um it just got really out of sorts like lost focus a lot of turnovers just young mistakes but they got daniel pounds inside who's going to be a Uh, mid to likely high major forward um, just cleans the glass runs the floor can shoot the three about six seven six eight just jumps out of the gym he's a big time player he will cause a problem for everybody in that region Um, but just getting smart shots on offense and protecting the ball for forest park uh, i still think forest park could be as talented as any team in class 5a but it's just those young guards can they just kind of mature over time and just limit mistakes against good ball pressure and just continue to stay focused for the full 32 minutes. That's something to watch for. Uh, but back to Woodward, you know, you got Belmont signing Will Richard, who was on the wing all of last season, but this year he's been, you know, predominantly from what I saw, he's on the block and he's scoring inside and just being a tough son of a gun. Um, kind of going back to the role he played at Fayette County uh, when he was more of a inside presence off the bench as a six-man when he was a sophomore. Um, but he's had a great year. I mean, he is rebounding exceptionally well, finishing through contact, can, of course, step outside and shoot the three and beat his man off the dribble. He'll be a wing at the next level. But um, he's not a pretty boy. He will go down the block. He will seal you, and he will you know, he will power up for two points and get a lot of and ones. Uh, he's been a workhorse inside for Woodward. Really like him. And then Logan Stevens, you know, he can come and go at times. But when he's on, he can put the ball in the basket and, uh, you know, form a dynamic duo. But outside of Logan Stevens and Will Richard, it's just two guys scoring the ball. The rest of the cast, you know, they got some size in Jordan Chu and Nathan DeLue, uh, you know, both about six foot six. But they're not really scoring the ball a whole lot. Um, you got some playmakers on the perimeter that can get the ball to. Uh, richard inside but just not a lot of guys that can you know you're really afraid of hitting you up for 12 to 14 points it's more of a six points here four points there and sometimes that's all you need if you get enough from your two stars um but woodward i i, I think they're uh i think they're susceptible to uh to pressure defense and physical play and that's what Jonesboro brings to the table six and three in that region 14 and three overall now Jonesboro, they're they're not as skilled as some of these other teams in the region. They just play exceptionally hard for Coach Mailman. You know, when they press, they can get after it. They got uh, Giannis Woods inside, uh, and they got uh, Nate Adams, two six seven 6 7 forwards. Uh, I kind of like Adams' uh, ability to kind of go off the dribble a little bit, and they crash the glass exceptionally hard. and They can block some shots, but, you know, on the on the perimeter I think skill wise is where it might hurt them they don't have a ton of three-point shooting uh and I think that uh, you know Devin Rainey I think he's good I think he's a young guard that's about six three on the perimeter I think he's our best guard I feel like uh, offensively and he can do some things defensively with his quickness and wingspan but I just worry about can they shoot the ball well enough from the perimeter and can they you know sometimes you got to get a bucket can you go iso and create off the dribble not saying you have to do that often, but in crunch time, who are you drawing a play up for uh, with Jonesboro? That's something that might cause concern. But as long as their defense carries over and they play tough and they're relentless, I mean, they were down 25 points to Forest Park and, you know, they were right there at the end. Uh, Jonesboro is going to give a lot of teams fits just with how hard they play. Like I said, they might not have the overall skill, but they are going to play extremely hard and they got some good athletes coming off the football field that will make things tough for opponents.
1: On to class four A. We'll start with Region 1. You have number three Monroe sitting there unbeaten in the region. Then you have Daughtery, uh Westover, and Bainbridge hot on their heels. Interestingly, Daughtery and Westover both are at four and two in the region, despite Westover holding a rank in the top ten, Kyle.
0: Yes, um, you know that that, that region starts right now with Monroe, who's currently ranked number three. They're five and zero in the region, twelve and three overall at the time of the recording. They beat Westover, who's ranked number four in the state. Like you said, they beat them 44-39. Then Monroe beat Doherty 60 to 43, and they beat Bainbridge 72 to 65. So they're they're in the they're in control right now. But I do feel like this is one of the sneaky tougher regions in the state in Class 4A. Um, you know, let's talk about Westover at four and two in the region, eight and three overall uh they beat doherty 62 46 but then they lost in the rematch 60 to 55 that kind of threw a monkey wrench into things uh so that kind of hurts them and you know doherty they're right there they split with the west over so that's all you really need to get that second spot right now sitting there at four and two a nine and nine six overall uh they spent a week or so in the top 10 i believe um that's a that's a tough tough team i think um what elijah west might be his name a, a good guard on the perimeter uh, athletic, and then I like Jaden Scheider inside, a big body at six foot six, um, just a bulldozer. Uh, he was very, uh, you know, he was he came up and made some big plays when I saw them beat Westside Macon early on in the season. Uh, he can finish around the rim and move bodies around, but you know Bainbridge at nine and five, three and two in the region. Uh, that's a sneaky good team. I, I you know, I, I. I, I I don't know if I put them in the top 10. I might've put them in for a week. If not, that's a team that I'm kind of keeping my eye on because they played some tough teams that beat Tiff County earlier on in the season. They, they played a, a fairly nice schedule they've been led by, um, looks like Mark Taylor averaging 12 points and seven rebounds. Uh, he's been good for them. And they also have, uh, some action coming from, uh, looks like Cooper, Dorian Cooper senior. Uh, they've been good. Uh, you know, I, it's a team that is got some sneaky good potential. I think they could do some things down the stretch. Uh, like I said, they're sitting there kind of on the outside looking in, uh, but that's a team that could do some damage long term. And I'll, I'll shift it over to region two. Now you're looking at Spencer, number one in the state, nine and a three and O in the region. Um, they might be having some help returning to Spencer and I'll leave it at that. I'll watch some play later on this week and, I'll, uh, I'll announce if anything's going on. But that's a long, big nine-team region uh, right now. And, you know, that's there's a lot of teams that you got to deal with. You know, Columbus is sitting there at 3-0, 7-4 in the region. Do I think Columbus is uh, a threat to win the region title? I do not. Um, but Graybolts can get hot from deep, and Charles Stone plays very hard. So when you got those two, you know, a hard-playing wing-type player and then a shooter... Uh, you can give some teams some issues, so that's something to keep an eye on. But uh, Spencer's a team to beat. with Jacquez Holt, great guard, really like him. Tyson McDaniel's a six-six uh, wing that came over from Jordan, only a sophomore. Koran uh, Hoskins, uh, a good guard. They got a lot of pieces over there, and Spencer has won games big. They won games ugly, so they 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 know how to win some games, and they're playing St. Ampicelli this week, which will be a really big test for them. Number five in Class A private. Um, but I, I do like Spencer a lot. But, you know, Hardaway, they did just beat Hardaway um, in their in their matchup. And it was a close game. And, you know, Hardaway, they got some athletes as well, a couple football guys here and there. Uh, Aaron Pitts going to CVCC, a really good player, had about 26, 28 points in that game. But they pulled it out 62-58. to 58. So it's not going to be easy. I mean, Spencer's going to have to deal with some really good teams. But uh, Hardaway just 3-4. and four, one-on-one in that region, that's a team that I'm keeping an eye on in Region 2 is potentially being a team that could kind of screw things up and uh, make life difficult for Spencer. And that could be a team that, you know, they might be a sweet 16. Uh, luck of the draw maybe, be maybe an Elite 8-type team if they, they get a, a nice seed, but uh, I got my eye on them. Hardaway is a, a sneaky good team. And lastly, I'll wrap up foray. 8 with Region Six, which is seeing a lot of a uh, lot of interesting things, you know, that's a, that that Cab region that started off slow. You know, they had to sit the first couple weeks, and everyone's been in and out of quarantine and all this. It's just been a real mess, and you haven't really been able to put your pulse on what is going on over there. But they do have three teams in the top ten. You got number six Arabia Mountain, number seven Stevenson, and number eight Miller Grove. And number eight Millgrove currently sits on top at four and one in that region, seven and four overall. Uh, their only loss in the region was forty to thirty-seven in overtime to Arabia Mountain, a surprise game because I did not have Arabia Mountain on my radar to start the season. Chase Ballard transferred to Lithonia, who was a, probably their best player last year, a great scoring senior guard. Well, he's been ruled, has been ruled ineligible at Lithonia, and then he has just transferred to stevenson and now stevenson is getting a shot in the arm if he's eligible there you pair him with ej walker you have a potent backcourt with Jalen peterson as well inside you got a lot of dudes over there steven lewis i think as well once he gets back to the court stevenson's gonna be super scary if you add him to the mix um but back to miller grove um they beat may 62 44 is Two and four in the region. They, you know, they got swept by Maris, and that really, really hurt them as far as what they feel like they can do in the region. Uh, Maris put them behind the eight ball very early. But Mays has some talents. Allman Evans is a really good sophomore. He is a, a big time player. I think he's got a division one future. Um, but Milligrove handled them. They just beat Stevenson sixty one to thirty, which was not recorded on Max Preps before this week's ranking, so that you know that's why Miller Grove's ranked behind Stevenson. If they, I knew they beat them uh, by 31 points. Uh, trust me, things would be different. But uh, they they handled them and then they beat Maris in a Maris type game, 41 28. Maris is going to grind you to a screeching halt every single game. It's just going to be can you deal with that style play? And Miller Grove po- proved that they can. And you know they got Tyreek Boyd, a good guard, but. I really think uh, it's uh, Zaire Green is the one that really makes him go. Just got an offer from Georgia College. Really like him. A tough scoring uh, two guard. He's about 6'3", physical kid that can go inside and out. Uh, He's the one that really makes him go. And they got some nice pieces as well. They got some length inside that really helps out Jamel Barber. Um, So I I like Miller Grove. That's a team that I had ranked very highly to start the season, but – you know, with the the, the the region not playing games that really dropped a lot of these teams in the poll. And I always say these 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 uh, rankings always sort themselves out. Good teams will find a way to win and they'll, they'll rise up the rankings, whether, you know, it takes them a little while or not. But they, they find a way to get there at the end of the day. Um, but sitting at number two in that region, you're looking at Maris at five and two. Like I said, I mentioned them already. A great defensive team that makes teams uncomfortable number six Arabia mountain they're two and one right now six and two in the region a team that has really come up big kevin and Ponsa, uh has played a big role for them and they've been a bit of a surprise but they've been handling their business and they scored that uh, you know that that big win over miller grove gave them great legitimacy then you're looking at stevenson three and three right now in the region six and three overall they haven't had their full cast of characters um But like I said, with EJ Walker, he is going to put that team on his back. Um, And if they do have Chase Ballard, if he's eligible, that is a major shot in the arm. And that is a really big addition that could really change the picture. Not in just Region 6, but in the entire class of 4A.
1: On to Class Three A. We'll talk about two regions here: Region Five and Region Six. First, just a little preview on Region Five. Perhaps the team or the region, excuse me, with the more state firepower, hosting Sandy Creek, Carver, Atlanta, and Salem, along with GAC. There, um, four very strong teams, all I think have spent time in the state rankings. And then you have Region Six, um, headlined by number nine Sonoraville, and then you have Lafayette, Murray County, and LFO. Um, Four teams that could really all compete for that top seed and uh, really change the way the uh, region versus region state seeds end up playing out, Kyle.
0: Yeah, you're right, Ramin. Um, There's a lot to be decided. We'll touch on um, region five first, which we thought was going to be a juggernaut region. And Well, when we we talked about that, we didn't really expect Carver Atlanta to be one of the teams ranked. We did not expect Salem to be one of the teams ranked. Um, But here we are, and that's what we got obviously sandy creek number one uh they are the team beating 3a hands down 7-0 and in the region 14 and 4 overall um they swept salem they beat them 75 53 the first game but salem who's ranked number five right now um and they're three and three in the region but eight and four overall and two of those losses in region play came to sandy creek so you kind of throw that out the window if you assume sandy creek's going to hand everybody in that region two losses um they they only beat Salem 56 50 so Salem with Wallace Corker he's got a lot of guys that transferred in this year Jabin Flowersmith who was an all-state player back in the day at Redan then went to Florida for a year or two he's back he gives them a great shot in the arm they got a kid that came over from Tennessee that's really been a really tough guard that puts points on the board so Salem they got really good guard play um and then Avian Young over there is transferred in and he's you know he's he brought some uh, athleticism um, to everything as well. And, you know, he could play bigger than his size. So, Salem, that's a, that's a tough team. Um, but Sandy Creek, they handled them twice. And then, you know, they, they beat GAC 80-46 to in their first meeting. So, GAC sitting there at 5-3. and three. In the region, I don't see GAC really, you know, I think – GAC's got some solid talent. they got two 6'9 guys inside, but it just hasn't clicked for whatever reason. Um, Mar Randolph is a guy that can get hot and knock down some threes. Sekou White is a distributing point guard. Um, they got pieces, uh, but they just haven't really been able to get over the hump and you know catch their stride, per se. Um, but right now in second place in that region, Number six, Carver Atlanta. They're 4-0. They're 8-3 and in the region. They beat GAC 57-44. Now, they have not played Salem. They have not played Sandy Creek. We'll know a lot more about uh, Carver Atlanta in the upcoming weeks here. Um, Mason Lockhart transferred out in the offseason. That was like, whoa, what is going on? He went to Columbia. I thought Carver was going to be really good. Well, he's not there, but Mitchell Taylor is still there, and he's had a really good season. He's had some running mates really step up alongside him, and Carver is having one of their best seasons in a, in a good handful of years. I know they had that magical run to like the elite eight maybe four years ago or so. they could be on that same type path right now and region five they're matched up with uh, region eight and that is a uh, you know that's an interesting crossover. I mean region eight, it's not as deep as last year by any means, but Hart County is still in there and Hart County, assuming they do what they're supposed to do. Now, I know in years past they've kind of struggled to secure that number one seed, but if they grab that number one seed, they're probably going to play a fairly good team in that first round. You know, you're looking at maybe GAC, maybe Carver slips down there, maybe someone that we're not even talking about, maybe, I don't know, Westminster, who knows? It's going to be competitive, Um, but if you're in Region 5, really – Uh, if you get a top three seed, you you feel pretty good about things because you want to avoid Hart County as long as possible because I really do think Hart County is a team that could win a state title. It's going to be tough against Sandy Creek, but with Sean Webb, the best on-ball defender in the state of Georgia, um, Taj Johnson, he's still kind of up and down, hasn't really taken off as a scorer this year, but he still has some game-breaking skill. J.C. Curry is a great athlete that puts the ball in the basket, Sean Teezey has really emerged as a tough guard as well. Um, Bennett Edwards can shoot the three-ball. So they got a lot of pieces. They got great synergy over there. They played a lot of good teams and they've handled their business. Um, but that's a team. Region 8. If Park County, if they don't get that number one seed in Region 8, they're going to be kicking themselves, and that senior class is going to be, you know, super disappointed. Um, but we'll shift over to Region 6 now. Region 6, they'll be matched up with Region 7 and hey region seven white county who's just cracked into the top 10 that's looking like a tough team um, dawson county can shoot the ball and then cherokee bluffs got the big guy inside um cory uh cory thomas but other than that like it's you know it's there's no world beaters in that in that classification you know best or in that in that region best player would be cory thomas long term everyone else you know they're just more kind of a some of the parts greater than the whole or the is greater than the sum of the parts, whatever the saying is. Um but no superstar major big time standouts to really worry about. But region six, that's what we're talking about. And this is that region that has been um scrutinized by me to say the least over the past couple of years. Um you got Lafayette who uh we, we had him at number six. Uh but they played Sonoraville who's currently ranked number nine. And they got they got they got destroyed 65 to 40 to Sonoraville but before that lost Sonoraville, Lafayette was doing what Lafayette does they don't schedule anybody good in the non region and then they hammer everybody in their region and they just they blast everyone um, that's just uh, I guess uh, their own choice to not play good teams outside of the region but you know we're not going to talk about that that's been harped on for years and years and years it just it is what it is I don't know why but they don't want to travel Um but they, they crush everyone else in that region. I mean, they're 9-1 and in the region. They only have one loss overall, 12-1. and uh, They swept Murray County, who was a, a senior-laden group. It was 11-4, 7-2 and in that region. They beat them 69-43, then 70-51. So they blew them out. They beat a good young LFO team, 65-51. And LFO is sitting in that four spot right now at 7-3 and and 9-4 and overall. Um, but that loss to Sonoraville, very... Very, uh, very crucial for them. And, you know, so Norville, they're kind of like the anti Lafayette. They win all close games. I think they won like seven games by seven points or less already so far. I watched them beat LFO 55-51. So Norville, they're a good team. They're going to be really tough to beat at the furnace at their home gym. You know, the crowd is right on you. They pack it up um no social distance don't need it don't need mass they go out and they root for their teams and it's it's all good no one's dying from COVID-19 so that's always a positive as well since we did eliminate the jump ball so you know they already got that procedure in place to save lives but you know it feels just like a normal year at uh Sonoraville they pack it out and they cheer for their team and Brent Mashburn's getting the most out of his kids but they have a rematch coming up with Lafayette and you know um Like I said earlier, I feel like these rankings always sort themselves out. And what do I think is going to happen in this game? I think Lafayette Lafayette beats Sonoraville handily. I think they win by double digits. I think they're in control for the vast majority of the game. I don't know what happened in that first outing, um, but they just got punched in the mouth. And, uh, you know, they're tough to beat at home, Sonoraville. But Lafayette, they're going to have them at Lafayette, and I think they're going to handle their business I think they're going to usurp them and take that number one spot. They're going to have to bounce Sonoraville back out of the pole. And I think after that one hiccup from Lafayette, I think they're going to roll the rest of the way in that region. I think they're going to continue to beat teams by double digits, and they're going to get their heads on screwed on right. And uh, I think they're going to be in good shape moving forward. And With that being said, I think Lafayette, they do win the region. And I think Region 6, like I said, they're matching no, up with Region 7. Looking at where Region 6 is portrayed on this bracket i mean you want to win region six because you got a very very uh nice path remain i mean you're playing uh if you know if everything goes according to plan you're playing region seven four seed which you should be able to handle you're playing maybe the two seed out of region eight this year which just looking at it maybe Oconee county maybe monroe area monroe area of course they were zapped of kendrick lyle's their best scoring guard in the off season um that really kills them they're still a, a a solid team but they don't have a guy that could get you 25 a night now so that's why i'm in row areas of been floating around 500 a little above 500 they played a tough schedule and Derek brown is really good at 6 7 but they they are not what they were last year so if you if you were able to beat them or that you know the three seed out of region five which we said maybe like a carver atlanta type um you know if you're able to get past that you're you're sitting there right there and the uh and the Elite Eight, and who's the other number one seed in that, that lower right hand quadrant? You're looking at Region Four. Who would be the number one seed out of Region Four? Right now, it looks like Cross Creek, and that is a would potentially be a rematch of Cross Creek versus Lafayette when Lafayette was up big at the half like 13 points at halftime, then just kind of melted down the stretch against Cross Creek and they lost by maybe three points or so. So how interesting would that be if if uh, you're looking at uh, Cross Creek being able to beat Hepzibah? Who Hepzibah just beat them, upset them just uh, this past week? But if Cross Creek gets that number one seed in Region 4, if Lafayette gets their number one seed in Region 6, if those two teams meet in the Elite 8, what a matchup that will be a big-time rematch of last year's very exciting elite eight game and to be honest with you i may potentially favor lafayette in that one um cross creek not going to be as you know dynamic on the perimeter with kobe stewart you know since graduated over there at uh presbyterian now um and he had a really big game against them Corey trotter had a real big game i know he's still there um but uh, i think that could be a very interesting matchup and uh shoot I know we're looking way, way, way far ahead, but if Lafayette gets the number one seed and everything else goes according to plan, really, I'll just leave it at this, that it wouldn't be a huge shock to see the Ramblers all the way into the final four this year.
1: On to Class 2A, Kyle. We can say it was historically once your favorite, um, but today only one region, Region 4, will discuss Three teams we're going to look at here, Butler, Westside, and Laney, 8-4, uh, and 9-4, and four, and 7-5 and five overall. Butler has a one-game lead over Westside for the top spot as of today. Yeah, in Region
0: 4, there's there's some good regions, but it's usually like a lot of them are maybe two-team two races or a couple races, but the teams that are in second and third and fourth aren't like really statewide contenders right now. Like in Region 6, where you have Pace Academy, I think Pace Academy is just so far ahead of everybody else. I think Columbia is starting to play much better now, uh, and I think that'll really help them come down the stretch and then love it. So you got Pace, love it, and Columbia. But you know, we, we know about that. We know that's what the what we're talking about. And you know, who's going to emerge as that fourth seed? Uh, I really don't know right now. But Pace is definitely the team to beat. I think the 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 race for that two seed. It will be the most interesting between Columbia and Love it, and then even up at like Region Two, uh, which was a favorite uh, a year ago. Swainsboro—they're kind of in control. Woodville-Tompkins is tough. Vidalia doesn't have a you know a super sexy record like years past, but they're always good. And then Jeff Davis—I think they're starting to kind of get their footing. I think they were in quarantine this year, um, but outside of Swainsboro and then Woodville-Tompkins, who just dropped all the way down to like number nine, I think. Uh, I think Swainsboro is in a pretty good position to win that region uh, right now, but that's where we're going to look at Region Four because I think Region Four—it's always crazy, it's always topsy-turvy, it's kind of deep, but uh, it's it's far from over. You got Butler at number one right now. They're five and one. Uh, well, not number one in the state, but they're five and one in that region. Eight and four overall you got Westside Augusta, who is 9-4 overall. They had to forfeit a few games, but they're 4-1 in region play. And Then Laney, 5-3, 7-5 overall in third place. Butler, they beat Westside 56-47 just the other week, but they have that loss to Laney, 67-58, which makes everything very interesting. If they handled their business against Laney, that would pretty much bury Laney in the region standings, and then you would have a, a nice lead. Um, over west side you'd be undefeated you got a game you know game in hand over them uh but that didn't happen so that's going to be something to keep an eye on um down the stretch uh you know ronnie striggles uh, good guard at butler looking at west side a team that really came out of nowhere but they got Kalan hudson uh i think amari tillman's the other player that's been having a good season that's a a, a younger ish team that has played really well this season then laney much like on the girls' side, Lainey's just been kind of out there floating around. I think the you know the girls' side always is going to produce more wins, but Lainey boys seven and five, five and three in the region. At the end of the day, Laney's always going to be super super tough to win against in the region tournament. I think they win the region tournament pretty much every single year, um, so they're going to be challenging to handle. Uh, they might be be playing Possum right now, but that's a team that's going to be uh, tough to beat. And, you know, it's it's always crazy in the CSRA when it comes to this tournament time. You know, there's upsets all throughout, but uh, I'm looking at those three teams right there. Uh, Butler currently in the lead, but Westside, number eight in the state. I still think they have a, a fairly good shot at, you know, coming back up and grabbing that number one seed.
1: On to a private. We'll talk about Region 5. A lot of teams to talk about here. A lot of names that we've heard of before in Region 5. Providence sits atop that 2-0. and o. Region plays just started, so not a lot of time to have shaken out the region standings yet. We're looking at overall records here. Providence has played 19 games, 16-3 and three overall, only two of which have been in the region. But nevertheless, Providence, Galloway, Hebron, Holy Innocence, Mount Vernon, Wesleyan, all in that uh, Region 5, Kyle. Yeah, that's
0: six teams, and... I don't quite recall. I think we might have had Wesleyan. You might want to fact check me. I'm not sure. They might have been ranked uh, to open up the season. I could probably pull it up right now myself. But uh, if they were ranked, they know for a fact we had five of those teams ranked. Wesleyan may make six teams ranked uh, at one point during this uh, during this season, and that that's uh, that's pretty that's pretty good. Six teams in one region to be ranked. Um, at at least once during the season uh, that's that's something special. so this is a very challenging region and um, it looks like they they might not have been ranked uh, at all this year. Um, Wesleyan that is uh, but that's a team that has some very talented pieces. Uh, I know they've been missing a lot of football players you know early on in the season that was why they were struggling and they were ranked uh, to open the season at number seven actually so there you have it um but yeah six teams all six of these teams have been ranked providence currently ranked number two in the state galloway's ranked number three in the state and holy innocence is ranked number eight in the state and this is what makes it so difficult to do rankings this year i mean because you got providence who's had no problem they play anybody anywhere anytime they played 19 games holy innocence has played seven games and it's going to get even worse with class a public when you got teams playing 21 games and other teams playing one game like it's 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 just ridiculous. You might as well, and I'm not saying this for holy innocence. This is more towards uh, class A public. So I guess I'll I'll leave this uh, soapbox for over there, and I'll, I'll stay focused here. But Providence Christian, real, really good team. Uh, you know, Tony Carpio has been an X factor transferring in from Pinecrest, Crest, bring his you know dominant presence inside. He's been just killing teams down low at the class A private level, and even you know when they play bigger schools, they play a ton of bigger schools. And they have played exceptionally well against them. Uh, with Chance Thacker, E.J. Williams, and Tony Carpio, that big three is very, very strong. And that's all you need. I mean, shoot, even at the higher levels. If you got three really good players, you're in good shape. I mean, if you have three really good players in Class A private and the lower and lower and lower you go in the classifications, you have a chance to win a state title. So Providence Christian is legit. They are a very good title-contending team. Um, Galloway sitting there at 12-1. and one. Uh, not as much star power as Providence Christian, uh, but Coach Tulowitzki does such a great job. I hear their offense just runs like butter. Quentin Alterman does a great job of facilitating and knocking down outside shots. Anthony Arrington, um, he's been putting up big numbers since he was a freshman, and he is getting better and better and better. And that's a guy that's not overly super flashy, but he is just so good from the mid-range, gets to his spots, can knock down threes, does everything, plays bigger than a 6'2 size. He's a double-double threat every time out. He can facilitate. He can defend. Uh, he is just a polished, overall strong, good basketball player. And he's starting to get some attention from Division I schools. And he is just, you know, he makes Galloway a good team, and he turns them into a great team. With how good he has played, so Anthony Arrington, he he's he's a special talent, and I know people are starting to open their eyes to what he's been doing for years now. Um, he he has got Gallo, he's got the Scots really contending, and for Gallo to be number three in the state, that that you know that's that's pretty impressive for what they've been doing now. Um, you got Holy Innocence number eight in the state. Like I said, they've only played seven games so far. Garrison Powell's a good guard. Um, he's a uh, he's been tough i like justin wilson a lot at the uh, the other guard position i've always been a really big fan um of what he's been able to do uh at holy in and then landon cardian I, I believe he's back off the football field um so they, they, you know they got verlander inside a, a big body they got some pieces here and there but it really starts with the backcourt of wilson and uh Powell. and those two you know they'll go as far as those two take them um and that, that That's pretty much it. Powell, he's been, you know, it feels like Garrison Powell's been there for six, seven years now because he had a lot of attention as a, a freshman, got some offers, um, and it's kind of just been cool. And since then, uh, be interested to see if he can take his game to the next level down the stretch here. But he's a really good player, and he's had Holy Innocence, you know, this is, you know, it's been a year or two since Holy Innocence has had a good record. They've always played all these juggernaut teams and just been getting bashed and battered and go into the you know state tournament under 500 or close to 500 this year um, schedule's been a little bit easier and then you know they had so many games canceled and postponed so that really you know changed things for them but they're sending that six and one they have some good momentum as they're starting to get back onto the floor uh, that's a good team but looking at other teams Hebron they're 2 and0 in the region eight seven they got off to a really hot start Jalen Williams inside six nine uh, moved in. Has been a, a key piece for them throughout the year. Sam Hutton as well, a uh, hudo. Um, but they've kind of fallen on hard times. They've lost their mojo a bit. They've lost a lot of games due to COVID, I know. Um, Mount Vernon, I think Chase Clemens has missed some time throughout the season, but when they're healthy, they got Chase Clemens, a, a little scoring dynamo with you know high major offers, and Keith Williams, 6'8, transferred in from McEachern in the summer. A big body who's a double double threat, you know you know that you know, six eight about 240 pounds. that's that's tough to defend, especially at the Class A private level. So he's been dominant at times. Since uh, Harris at the guard position, so they got a nice nucleus. They just got to get healthy, and they played some tough teams as well. They're zero and two in the region, eight and nine overall. But if Matt Burning can get healthy and kind of piece it together and get everyone going in the right direction, that's going to be a really scary team because they do have a lot of talent. And then Wesleyan, like we mentioned, five and ten overall, zero and two in region play. If they can kind of just get some win, they just got to somehow get some momentum with Thomas Chipman and um, you got Tate Gilly. At the guard position, they have some pieces, but it's all about can they get everyone on the same page? Do they have everyone back from all their other sports? Um, they gotta they gotta get it turned around quick. But Wesleyan, that is a, a a a good team, but they just really have not shown it yet this year. Just kind of haven't been on the on the same page and just haven't been at full strength. Um, so it might be too far gone for them at this point. I know they're only two games into the region, but. Um, just recent trends, they they got to start winning some games if they want to be able to get into the state playoffs.
1: And, Kyle, finally we're looking at our notes. We get down to A public as we usually do at the end of the podcast. And the best I can decipher from our notes is just a squiggly face emoji.
0: Yeah, um, WTF. Uh, how are – I mean, obviously it's hard enough to do rankings. And I, I we're not even going to talk about – regions in class a public because let me get back in my soapbox like i was talking about how do we have we got teams that have played legit like 20 games and other teams that have played one game and you know at this point i feel really bad for the kids in these you know rural areas like terrell county and like hancock finally got started after just like chilling for two months and i know you gotta do quarantine and this and that and the other thing but like, come on, man. Like, the rest of the state has been able to get their crap together and been able to play games. I'm not saying you have to play 20 games, but, to, you know, be two months into a season, some of these teams have played one and two games. It's just ridiculous. Like, just tell the kids, hey, we're not playing sports this year. We don't really care. Um, sorry, sucks for you. Uh, but we're just not going to play sports. We're going to, you know, live in this fear world and all this stuff. You know, everybody else in the state is doing just fine, you know, wearing a mask and cleaning the balls and social distancing and doing like everyone's been doing for a whole freaking year now but no we're just gonna just like we just can't play and we're gonna play one game and we're gonna have teams going into the state tournament with like five games like I don't think those teams should even be allowed in the state tournament I'm sorry I mean but at this point if you can't even get like 10 games you know it should be at least like 15 games on the schedule but with how everything's been rolling down unless these teams are going to start playing four and five games a week which i don't think that's going to happen i don't know how any of these teams are going to have like 10 to 15 games played heading into the region tournament or the state tournament i feel terrible for the kids but it's just so ridiculous at this point that they can't even get their crap together and get on the court um so i you know shoot i'm not a Uh, proponent or whatever I don't I don't really want kids to transfer you know me I'm a I'm a homegrown guy but at this point like if the, uh, the adults or whatever the area is doing where it's so strict that they can't even play games or even worse would be if they're playing games and they're not even recording their stuff on max preps which I don't think that's the case but Uh, shoot these kids need to be just go go somewhere else and play basketball because these kids are trying to get out of these you know these these towns and this you know having a scholarship offer to play somewhere whether it's juco or division two or nai that can really open the doors uh for a higher education it can take them out of their place and see the world and you know go places that they might not been able to go to uh without having basketball and could really set them up for life uh, not only as a student athlete, but you know, just being a, you know, just getting a good major and getting a degree, and it doesn't have to all be in basketball. But I just hate it for, especially the seniors, that, you know, just looking at some of these things. You know, Terrell County go, going into this week playing one freaking game. That's just, it's just ridiculous for me, and it's terrible for the kids, and it's just really bad. And I'm not putting teams in the poll when I got teams with 20 games played. And then I got to put a team in with two games played. I just can't do it anymore. Like Hancock Central got the benefit of the doubt with, you know, they're the defending state champs. They got two top 10 wins already in their, their three games. Um, But they just can't be in the rankings anymore. uh, These other teams. And if you, if you are one of those teams that only had like four games played and then you, Oh, we're back in quarantine for two weeks. You can't be in the rankings uh, because it's just ridiculous. Like, you, you got to play basketball, you got to play games, you can't live in fear forever. So there's my soapbox for me. I'm very frustrated, not just for being a, a, a state ranker, like it is what it is, but just for the kids in general, like it's so goofy and ridiculous. Like everywhere else in the state can play basketball and there's no issues, but here, yeah, we, we can't, we can't figure out how to do it safely. And it's, it's, it's it's a damn shame. And, you know, the South's got something to say. Well, Kyle Sandy has something to say about the South not playing basketball, and I think it's very, very sad.
1: And with that, on that note, we'll wrap it up, Kyle. Um, as always, I appreciate it. Full rankings and analysis are available on sandyspiel.com. You can find us on Twitter at Sandy 355 and at sandyspiel. We appreciate you checking in. We hope to be back with you shortly. On behalf of Kyle, this is Ramin signing off.